You're listening to the Saz Revolution Show. Bringing you front row seats to the Saz Revolution with your host, Alex Thuma. Welcome, Saz people, to the Saz Revolution Show, bringing you front row seats to the Saz Revolution, courtesy of Sascribe Media. I'm your host, Alex Thuma, and uh, it's a real pleasure to be joined today by Kyle Porter, CEO of Sales Loft. Welcome, Kyle. Alex, thanks for having me, man. I, uh, as, a, as a SaaS lover, you can't hear that word too many times, and uh, <laughs> I like how many, many uh, moments it, it was uh, played there in your opener. Yeah, no, it's, uh, you, you, you know, it's, uh, it's great that you're a SaaS lover. I think we're all SaaS lovers, and hopefully uh, the listeners as well. Um, so, uh, for, for those that don't know, as I say, I, I think, you know, our readers and listeners are, are, are discerning SAS lovers, but, um, uh, for those that, you know, may not be too familiar with Kyle, um, you know, you've been an entrepreneur and sales professional for, uh, well over a decade now, I, I believe. And, uh, uh, previously pro- uh, vice president of marketing for NanoLumens, where you built the sales and marketing organization there. Um, and you're currently, uh, well, co-founded SalesLoft uh, and CEO of SalesLoft, um, which was recognized uh, by the Technology Association of Georgia as one of the top 10 most innovative companies in 2012. Um, and you also took SalesLoft through Techstars, which is one of the top technology accelerators in the country. Um, I think that your stats that I saw in 2014 were that you had around 800 clients and 24,000 sales and marketing professionals using uh, your software and boosting their revenue. Um, but perhaps that's a good kind of link into uh, maybe you updating on the stats or even correcting and, and telling us a little bit more about, uh, you know, what SalesLoft uh, does. Yeah, sure thing, Alex. Well, you know, one of the things that I've always been passionate about is helping others acquire customers. And uh, it's always been an area that I've been focused on. And when I had the opportunity to start a company doing that for other businesses, it was a real exciting chance for me. So SalesLoft does, uh, you know, really two things, but uh, the most important thing that we're doing is helping companies set more qualified appointments and demos. And we do that by helping them build the most accurate and targeted list of prospects and then executing on a communication rhythm of emails, calls, and social drips that are all more personalized and more sincere but built and baked around this rhythmic process uh, of um, almost like those bumper guards of what steps you need to take next and a real accountable process for turning prospects into qualified demos and appointments. And uh, you mentioned a little bit about the growth. I think that's one of our, my, my favorite things to talk about is we've had a really great growth story. Um, in January of 2014, the company was five employees and 200K in revenues. And uh, now today, which is uh, 15 months later, we are a little bit more than 15 months later, maybe 17 months later, we are uh, around 6 million and over 60 employees. So we've had some significant growth. We ended last year around four um, and, uh, and 40. So we've just, we've had the opportunity to really grow strong. And a lot of it was based off a small amount of funds raised, uh, but we've just recently secured a $10 million series A financing from a, a great enterprise SaaS investor, um, out on the West Coast called Emergence Capital alongside of a gentleman named Jason Limpkin, who a lot of us know mm-hmm. that writes the, uh, the Saster blog and community. And so we're just real excited to help companies uh, increase the amount of clients that they have and do that through a, a sales development or a sales acceleration platform. 
Okay, so I mean that that's uh, really impressive growth, and uh, and also, you, you know, thanks for the overview of, of sales loft there. So is, is that breaking news about the the, the Series A rounds, or is that uh, something that uh, I may have missed, but very recent? It's breaking news for for this uh, this interview, right? Now we um <laughs> it it uh it, we closed it um less than a month ago. Okay. So or about a month ago, and uh, instead of doing the kind of the PR and press thing that. A lot of companies normally do. We actually uh, we wrote about it transparently on our blog, mm. and uh, and so you can catch that on the Sales Off blog. If you just type in Sales Off Financing in Google, you'll find it. And we go into a lot of detail about why we chose the investors we did, what the cap table looked like, and what the investment round looked like, and uh, a lot of the kind of how we got the intros. It's kind of a, a neat story. It's a it's a little bit of a narrative on how to raise ten million dollars. Okay, excellent. So, I mean, on, uh, talking of the, uh, the the growth and the impressive growth that I guess helped you uh, secure that Series A, uh, and and not a not a shabby uh, Series A at that at, uh, at ten million. Um, you know, one of the things I, I read that your sales guys, well, obviously to grow from five employees to uh, to sixty employees in such a short time, they've been uh, they've been crushing it, uh, and I think they were hitting something like four hundred percent of quota. Um, so, so what is their their secret? Um, you know, if if, if that's uh, you, you know the quota that they you know been hitting, or is it just having a great boss? <laughs> well, uh, maybe it means that their quota was too low. Yeah. That's uh, that's what some people have joked, and and in fact, it's no longer four hundred percent of quota. But I am happy to say that it is still above hundred percent of quota, and that our quotas are in the top echelon for enterprise SaaS companies. So we have high quotas now, um, but we're still getting good attainment. Uh, but I think you know it. It it, it really boils down to uh, uh, five things for us. Uh, number one is, and the most important of all things, is that we lead this business with culture and core values at the center of everything. If we're not creating an environment where people are excited to wake up in the morning and come and be a part of something special, then we're not going to be able to achieve the growth and and the results that we're looking for. And so. We, as, uh, as the founding team and me as the founder and CEO, uh, I put core values and culture above everything else. That means when there's a trade-off, core values win, and it means that we're real intentional about them. Uh, the second piece is that uh, we honor the engineering culture and really, quite frankly, prioritize product above distribution of said product because customers see our product oftentimes before they talk to us. And especially at the end of the day, after we've been engaged with them, they are left with our product. So it needs to be spectacular, which means we need to have world-class engineering. And that means things like doing the right, doing the right things in our software engineering environment that software engineers say they're going to do in their next company. So true agile, true continuous deployment, uh, test-driven development, you know, right, right tool for the right job. So all these things around engineering best practices. And then the third piece is uh, what we call a, a customer acquisition engine or machine. And it's on the front end, doing the right marketing, paying attention to what our, our prospects need and solving their problems through content. And then it's the outbound team, which is using sales off prospector to build lists of people to go out to and using sales off cadence to reach those people. And then it's our account executive team, which is focused on understanding the objectives of our prospects. What are they trying to accomplish? And then through smart questioning and, and peer consultation, uh, showing them how our tool will help them accomplish those objectives. And then after the deal is closed, we want to exceed our customers' expectation and love them. That's number four. And then number five is build a community around our people 
which are top of the funnel sales development experts, professional appointment setters, build a community where people are engaged uh, with great events, with great content and great interaction. And so we do all those five things and it helps our reps uh, attain large percentages of quota. Okay. You, 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 you actually uh, might have a crystal ball there or you, you, you uh, almost sort of answered my, my next question. Um, uh, which was, uh, you know, do you believe that every SaaS company should be creating sales machines and repeatable programs like Mark Roberge, you know, ha has done at HubSpot? But uh, I, I guess you, you partially sort of answered that. Um, uh, but uh, I, I mean, what are your thoughts around every SaaS company having, uh, you, you know, creating a, a sales machine and repeatable processes? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it just makes life so much easier when you can forecast when you can know if you invest in this box, what's going to happen to the business. And uh, the more repeatable, predictable, scalable, uh, you know, those words can't be used too, too often when talking about revenue. And, and I think you got to get intentional about it early and you got to stay on it uh, to make sure you're making the right tweaks to move the business. You mentioned Mark and he's done a fantastic job. His book, I highly recommend it, is a, a really great uh, place to learn some of these ideas. And, and we obviously are, are putting out a lot of blog posts and content around creating this type of engine. Now, we, we're most focused as an organization helping that top of the funnel piece, uh, you know, otherwise known as the sales development rep, BDR, SDR, kind of some of the terms you'll hear. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and we're real focused on the specialization and the first piece, which is taking prospects, you know, names of people and turning them into qualified appointments and demonstrations and then letting an account executive team execute on that to turn those into customers. Okay. Okay. And, and, um, there's a, a lot of talk and uh, about the, the, the sales hacking movement, uh, right? And I think I've seen you at um, you know some sales hacker conferences and uh, uh, and, and talking there. Um, now, I guess in line with uh, you know growth hacking, which has been another movement that's come mm -hmm, through, mm -hmm. uh, come through SaaS and lots of SaaS companies, you know, been hiring growth hackers uh, as, as a new kind of role. Um, uh, which we've seen. Uh, are, are SaaS companies hiring sales hackers now? Um, you know, w w for those that perhaps don't know about sales hacking, you know, can you uh, talk a little bit more about that? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and there's a guy I want to give a shout out to, Max Alchiller, who is the, the founder of Sales Hacker, which is a conference and, and community, and they've done an amazing job. So uh, be a great follow-up for anyone listening to this to tap into that community. I think what's happening, I just read a, a big research study where they looked at the global employment and uh, some of the areas that were the hardest to fill from a job perspective. And the technically savvy salesperson was one of the, the roles that was the most rewarding, but also the hardest to find. And I think that's what we mean when we start talking about sales hacker. We're talking about the modern seller. This is someone who has the capability of understanding the traditional best practices of sales, spin selling, question-based approach, solution-oriented selling, you know, diving in and becoming a peer of your, your prospect, but they also understand the new age methods of selling, which are things like uh, Chrome extensions, browser shortcuts, uh, technology uh, for, for screen share, for getting things done faster, right? For accelerating a grunt work or uh, hopping on social media. It's this, it's this idea of folks that are finding unique and new ways to use technology to get more opportunities so they can then apply the traditional, you know, the, the, the sales of the old days has not gone away, 
but you've got to figure out a way to do it more rapidly, to do it more targeted, to do it more frequently. And that's what sales hacking is all about, is using technology to your advantage to make things move faster. So do you, do you see, so if we're talking about this sort of new way of sales and, you know, more technical sales, um, I mean, have you got anybody employed at SalesLoft whose title is sales hacker or have you seen that or, or is, is that more just in line with the movement itself and we don't expect that we'll see VP of sales hacking? Yeah, you know, we might not call it that title, uh, but we might, what we definitely will look for those characteristics in the folks that we hire. Hmm. So, uh, you know, in our organization, we have uh, uh, now 25 uh, exact, you know, 25 folks in our sales organizations, uh, 15 in the sales development team, and 10 in the account executive team. And many of these folks have come from, you know, modern SaaS type environments or uh, places where they've been experiencing this, this type of revolution of, of selling. And so we definitely look for it in those characteristics. Uh, but we probably have more traditional titles uh, for folks like, uh, you know, sales development, sales executives and, uh, and their managers and directors. Uh, but yeah, we, we see it happening and, you know, quite one of the gentlemen in my organization, Sean Kester, he started off as our first ever sales development rep and uh, now he's a speaker for Sales Hackers. So he did the, one of the New York uh, presentations uh, last month. And so we've, we're totally adopted and, and bought into this methodology and, and, and mentality. Okay. And, and uh, it sort of links quite nicely into... My, my next question, just you know, about modern selling and about SaaS companies and the way they sell their products, and I think there's a lot of discussion, uh, you know, and debate uh, around, um, you know, if we look at uh, Mark Cranny of Anderson Horowitz's uh, uh, sort of well infamous uh, post, you know, about if SaaS uh, products, you know, sell themselves, why do we need salespeople? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think you've written also about, you know, Atlassian and Basecamp and and Moz not necessarily having sales prof- uh, professionals on their staff, but they're still crushing it. Um, mm-hmm. you know, so, so what is your op- opinion on, on that? Uh, you, you know, about are, are we going to be uh, seeing a, a future where all of these SaaS companies, um, you, you know, uh, there's going to be maybe 50% or in the future 100% of them with no sales? Is, is that something that you foresee? No, I don't at all. I do. I do admire some companies that are able to scale their businesses in in unique ways, but it's it's definitely not the uh, the norm or the go forward norm. Now, you know, one one company in particular comes to mind that I'm quite impressed by is a company called Mailchimp, mm. and Mailchimp doesn't have any salespeople. They're reported to be a hundred million dollar a year SaaS company. Uh, you know, really, really doing really well. But you know, when you think about this company, um, there are not many of their customers that would significantly be destroyed if they lost their product. What I mean by that is that they haven't engaged at the strategic level to where they're fulfilling the objectives of the C-level uh, people within the organization. Now, now they may have a large enough market to where they'll continue to grow and be a great business, but they're not solving executive level problems for the enterprises that they serve. Mm-hmm. And I think that you require a level of interaction and engagement with your buyers whenever you are solving, you know, strategic, mission-critical, uh, organizational challenges for companies. And so I think what's happened is for, yeah, for point solutions and for work group products and for, um, you know, uh, entrepreneurs or small businesses, there are a lot of things that you can get done without having a one-to-one engagement. But when you start delivering solutions that are organizational-wide, 
it does really require that opportunity to sit down and, and, and speak with someone and uncover their objectives, uncover their challenges. What are they doing today? How are they doing it? And paint the picture for a future uh, with the product or service that you, you offer. So, no, I don't think it'll ever be gone, uh, but there will be companies that are able to um, you know, deliver uh, great products without sales organizations, but it, it won't be the, uh, it'll be the exception rather than the norm. Okay, yeah, and I and say, you know, absolute admiration for uh, the guys like MailChimp and Atlassian and Basecamp who, who managed to do that. But uh, I, I think you're right, you know, in, in the cases, even, you know, the sales force or the boxes of, of this world, you, you know, they are selling to C-level and multiple stakeholders. So you need that extra type of, you know, hand-holding, as, as you say. Um, so, yeah, it, it would be very hard to imagine, uh, you know, this future with, uh, with no sales. And I guess, um, or no sales team, and I, I guess it wouldn't be great for sales loft either, right? <laughs> um, we, we figure something out. Yeah, you need to pivot at that point. And, uh, but, um, yeah, so, and, and, um, so as, as CEO of, uh, of sales loft, uh, but, or even just, you know, thinking about just being a CEO, you know, do you believe that your role uh, as the leader is is to serve? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I, did did you just come up with that, or is, uh, did you read that off one of my blogs? Because I, I write that often. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, th- I, th- I think there's a little bit of homework in there. Okay. On that, on yeah. That one. Yeah, I think that's exactly it. You know, when I um, when I got into entrepreneurship, I've always been an entrepreneur my whole life. It's been a part of me. And uh, and right around the time of college, I knew. That I had this thing inside me that had to be satisfied, and I started to recognize it in other people too. I started to recognize other people's entrepreneurial ambitions, their leadership ambitions, their professional career ambitions, and uh, and it's my purpose in life uh, to help serve other people to accomplish those things. And so when I started looking at how can I do this in massive scale, I realized that by creating a great business, I'll have a vehicle for serving others. And uh, and really, you know, the number one reason that we're in business is to change our employees' lives. So SalesLoft's mission is to be a, an Atlanta unicorn or a billion-dollar company. That, that term's now getting overused, but mm-hmm. uh, not, not a unicorn in terms of valuation, but in terms of exit valuation, right, or even bigger down the road. But the reason that we, we don't want the billion dollars as the, as the end, it's really a means to get to our goal, which is to change the lives of our employees, change the landscape of our city, the Atlanta technology community, and then change the world of sales, infusing personality, uh, sincerity, personalization, uh, and this whole concept of sales development. And so that's really why we do what we do. And, and as a leader, that's exactly what the role is. Now, now day one, that means serve, serve customers and, and the engineering team and, and get the first products uh, you know, built and de- delivered. But then it starts meaning uh, you know, grow the teams that are going to do that going forward. And then it starts meaning grow and serve the teams that are going to grow and serve the teams that do that. And so that's kind of the stage we've got to now where we've got 60 folks and, and uh, you know, my focus is on making sure the whole entire organization is served uh, by having great people. Uh, and so that's, that's absolutely my, my mission and objective. No, it's great and, uh, and uh, extremely admirable as well. And uh, you mentioned there about um, you, you know, becoming a billion-dollar company and uh, unicorns and, uh, and which, uh, as you say, is a, you know, a bit of an overused term at the moment or a fashionable term uh, you know, yep. potentially now do you think that maybe there, there are uh, too many companies or SaaS companies who you know they're, they're you know building a startup and they're just fixating that we want to be a unicorn 
we've got to be a unicorn because you know either that's a cool thing to do or or a billion dollars is cool or is there anything actually wrong with that um you, you know what, what what is your thoughts about this hype of uh, being a unicorn and being a billion dollar company can it be harmful uh, you know i'm not sure you know i can't comment much on other people's goals or ambitions i think that if you run a company and and you're honest and true about what you want to accomplish and uh, you're able to communicate that to your team and get them on board then uh, you know then who cares what you call it or or whether it's in vogue or not you know the whole idea behind being an entrepreneur is you kind of you know you have the opportunity to control your own destiny and you have the opportunity to build something great and and uh, that's what we're here to do so uh, you know to each his own if 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 someone wants to be a unicorn that's cool we we definitely want to be one uh, you know I'm I'm not going to hide that fact one bit and uh, we we were saying it before a lot of people were saying it but we'll still continue to say it uh, you know it's just it's important to us to build something special uh, but not just for the for the end goal of having a billion dollar company, but for what that affords us, what that allows us to do, what a billion dollar company as a vehicle uh, can do to change the world, and that's why we want to do it. Well, yeah, I mean, uh, uh, you know, I, I, I would I wouldn't say no. It's uh, you know for a billion dollars, and uh, you know if I was building a company, and uh, you know if we're looking at a million dollars. Uh, versus a billion, then you know I think we know what uh, what, <laughs> what most people will go for. Uh, yeah. Certainly, if uh, if Sean Parker was there as well, um, you, you know, saying how cool it would be uh, you know, to convince <laughs> you. But um, all right, and um, uh, so just uh, I guess kind of next question, you know, a bit more sort of light-hearted. Uh, um, but uh, you know, what what is your favourite sales book? Uh, and why? I mean, we mentioned Mark Roberge uh, sort of earlier, but you, you know, yep. I mean, there are there are a sort of plethora of sales books out there. You yeah. Know, which one is your absolute favorite? You know, that yeah. all of your guys must read. Yeah, I've, I definitely have one. I have a, a mentor, Steve Richard, you might have heard of. And Steve is one of the, the leaders in the inside sales movement. And Steve introduced a book to me called uh, The Joshua Story, RSVP Selling. And, uh, you know, I really fell in love with this book. It's a, it's, um, it's a fictional tale. So it's kind of like a, a fable, like a sales fable about a, a, a young man who's kind of a coming, age, a coming of age story. And it's just really awesome because it talks about the true strategic nature of what great selling is all about. And I think the thesis that I drove from that is that, you know, selling requires uh, genuine belief in yourself and your company and in your product. And that all selling is, is the transference of that belief and, uh, and doing it in a way that makes the biggest impact. And that, that book's been really awesome for, for helping me kind of, uh, you know, hone that in. So I definitely recommend it as, as a number one. Okay. Well, I, I, I seem to have uh, missed that one, um, but um, I, I'll definitely uh, look it up. But is, is that something that you recommend to all the sales hires, um, you know, that, uh, that come into sales loft? Is there like a reading list uh, uh, for, for your team? Yeah, there is. And, uh, um, you know, and there's, and there's ones on there that aren't sales, right? Uh, yeah. you know, I guess people would consider Dale Carnegie relatively sales, but, um, you know, Dale Carnegie is an amazing author. How to win friends and influence people is, is, is almost like a must read every two years because you read it and you say, I know this stuff, but I don't do it all the time. And it just helps kind of remind you. Um, but, uh, that's a great book. Spin selling is a classic, uh, that'll never really go out of style. And, uh, you know, kind of in the newer stage, I think the Mark Robert's book is great. Predictable Revenue has been a great book mm-hmm. uh, that people have gotten a lot of value from. Um, the, I can go on and on and on and on. But, uh, you know, I, I really like kind of the last book recommendation. I like the author, Patrick Lencioni. He's my favorite business author. Mm-hmm. And he's never written anything on sales specifically. 
um, but around culture, uh, core values, organizational health, leadership, uh, meeting structure, uh, you know, hiring, lead, leading, all these different elements of what it takes to be a great leader. And I highly recommend Patrick Lencioni. Okay. All right. Uh, we'll uh, check those out and, and hopefully those that are listening will uh, will check those out and add them to the reading list as well. So cool. I'd, I'd like to, um, you know, finish up with a, uh, a bit of a rapid fire round here. Um, and uh, you, you, you just basically got to got to pick one uh, as I go through the list. Uh, okay. So you, you ready for this? Yes. Okay. So culture or strategy? Culture. Tony Stark or Tony Hawks? Tony Stark. <laughs> Profitability or growth? Profitability. Microsoft or Google? Google. Startup accelerators or not accelerators? <laughs> <laughs> Pass. Okay. Uh, experience or motivation? Uh, motivation. Oranges or tangerines? Tangerines. Yeah. So, <laughs> so you're, you're, this is actually a first um, that you know you are the first tangerine farmer that we've had on uh, on, on the show. So um, you know that's uh, that's a, 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 an honour. And how do you manage to be a tangerine farmer and a CEO of uh, of a rocketing uh, SaaS company as well? <laughs> well, I have to admit, uh, I have a tangerine farm, but I'm not really the yeah. farmer <laughs> okay. of the farm. So yeah. I'm kind of the figurehead of the farm. Okay. Now, if you would have said if you would have said tangerines are blueberries, I might have had a hard answer because we're now in the blueberry oh, wow. uh, game as well. So, uh, but yeah, my wife is a uh, um, fifth generation tangerine or fourth generation my daughter will be fifth generation tangerine and uh, out of central florida so we love the agriculture community and and all the cool things that come from being a part of a uh, citrus heritage <laughs> okay very good well uh, you know you know the first citrus ceo that we've uh, we've had on this show <laughs> but uh, it's, it's been a, a real pleasure to have you as a as a guest today um, so you, if you're um, uh, you know, already are not uh, familiar with Sales Loft and this is to the, uh, to the listeners, then you know, go check out their uh, websites and check out their blog. Um, Carl Porter, you've been awesome. Um, you know, thanks for being on the show. Yeah, thanks for having me, Alex. I love what you're doing with Sascribe. We think it's uh, uh, super important to, to continue to educate the community on the, the awesomeness of the SaaS world and uh, just glad and honored to be a part of it and hope you have a great rest of the day and hope the listeners enjoyed this conversation. Yep, thank you very much.